Happy Friday is. I'm in a bit of a heavy Friday myself right now. No matter how heavy your Friday is, financially, emotionally, mentally, or physically, Friday is heavy. And the cross is weighing you down and you are about to crumble. But his promise was simply this. He will not make you carry it alone. Amen. What kind of a king would step down from his throne to help you carry your cross? This one. Jesus of Nazareth. He did every bit of it for you and me. And it's heavy. Sometimes it's so heavy you don't think you can take more, one more step under the weight of it. But look up. Because Sunday is coming. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Whew, I feel that. I mean, I feel that. I'd love to just enjoy myself and cut loose on that for about 10 minutes, but. Play <laughs> same over. But I have something else I feel. And those of you that I've asked to read a scripture, uh, please have that marked so you can turn to it pretty quickly. But we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. Now, what I mentioned about how when you talk to somebody about God or to somebody about a spiritual uh, principle or something that you believe and, and, and they're talking, and if you ask them a question... You know, somebody asks you a question about something you believe, there really ought to be only two responses, and they both ought to be calm. One response is, you know what? I, I can't really give you the verse of the chapter right now, but, but you know what? I'll get that, because I, if I believe that, and it's a strong thing, then I ought to know how to show somebody else why I believe it. So thank you for asking me that, but I, I'm going to get back to you, okay? Or there ought to be the other calm answer that says, well, let me take you to this book and this chapter and this verse and, and, and you can see it for yourself. Yeah. A calm answer. Don't ever get aggravated if somebody asks you something about your faith that you can't explain. Don't get, don't get mad. Don't, don't get, and don't feel like, you know, don't feel humiliated either. I mean, come on, man. Don't. Just tell them. I'll get back to you. I, I don't know all of it, but I, I, I'm going to study that one now for sure and I'll get yeah. back to you. Right? And understand that anybody you talk to and ask them a question about what they believe, if they get mad about it, back off. Yeah. And the reason why is because they don't know why they believe what they believe. And you're going to expose that. And that's why they, they feel under pressure and they get angry. So back off. Because the Bible says not to, you know, not to get in arguments over that stuff. Somebody else is a brand new baby in the Lord might hear us fussing about it and say, man, skip that. I don't undo either one yeah. of them. I'm out. I ain't even going to try Right? Makes sense? So, what my job is, is to help us know why we believe what we believe. Yes. And I'm going to do my best to do that. Now, Easter, or, you know, if you're, you're religiously correct, I'll talk about that some other day. It's Resurrection Sunday, right? This weekend, there are a lot of terms that get thrown around. I mean, a lot. Good grief, man. And you hear a lot of stuff. You hear about the Passover lamb, and you know you hear about a, a Monday, Monday, whatever that is, and and, and Lent, 
Wednesday when all the Catholics show up with dirt on their forehead and, and you find out that Fat Wednesday, Fat Tuesday. Yeah, what Fat Tuesday means is that uh, because Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, right? On Wednesday, we're going to repent of everything we ever did and get instant forgiveness. So on Tuesday, on Fat Tuesday, we're going to go out and sin every way we can because on Wednesday, it's going to be all good. That's a true statement. That's true. Google it. I love to have to say that. <laughs> Google it. Ask what Fat Tuesday is, and it'll tell you. The people that believe that way go out on Tuesday and do all the rotten, awful stuff they want to do because on Wednesday, it's going to be all good. I'm going to go. I'm going to have my little wafer, have the little thing of wine. They're going to put some dirt on my forehead. I'm going to wear that around all day to show my faith. That's my witness. Tuesday wasn't a witness somehow, only Wednesday. Okay? But there's a lot of stuff that people don't know what that means and what they believe. So what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about what is, why is he called the lamb? Now, not, not just because he died. Ugh. Right? No. Why is he called the lamb? And why is he called the Passover lamb? And here's another one for you. Did you know he's actually called, in one set of scripture, he's called the Passover? Yeah. Whoa, what? He's called all them things. And we can quote all them things and tell people. But really, most of us only know, well, he rose on the third day and there's Easter. So what we're going to do today, we're going to go through Exodus 12, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to have some people read a couple things for me. And just know that when I ask you to do that, I'll probably interrupt you 12 times, maybe ask you to start all over again. It's all right. <laughs> okay, it's all good. It ain't your fault. It's mine. Okay, so i got a question. I'm just going to pose this in the form of a question today. Remember that old uh, got milk? Well, I'm just going to pose this question. You got lamb? And here's another one for you. Does your house have a token? Does your house have a token? Now, before we start reading in Exodus 12, we need to understand what's going on here. Uh, what's going on is the people of God, now this is very fitting for today, the people of God have tried ten times to leave Egypt just to go worship God. That was the initial request. They've tried ten times. There's been nine plagues so far. And then the very first thing that Moses did was he threw his rod down and it turned into a snake. And all the magicians did the same thing. But Moses' snake now ate all those magician snakes. But still the Pharaoh wouldn't let him go worship God. So the people of God, the first request was, we just want to leave Egypt and go worship. That's all we're trying to do. We're just trying to go to church. And this process happens in modern day life with families who are serious about learning how to worship God and they know they need God and they really want God in their life and they want to learn about Him. But sometimes it might take them nine times in a row just trying to leave the house, just trying to get out of Egypt and get to church to be able to learn how to worship God. And today's a perfect example. Because I'm telling you right now, and I've been at this a long time, I don't become easily convinced when somebody tells me I'm going to see you at church this weekend. Because I've heard it a hundred times. So I don't become easily convinced. I encourage them and tell them that'd be great. And I really hope you, you know, that'd be awesome. And in my mind, I really want them to. But, you know, I'm, I'm, if they do, fantastic. But if they don't, I'm not going to be completely shocked. Well, today's one of those rare times where I am shocked. I'm not kidding you. Because there, there was one couple, um, uh, 
Tyler and Kristen, thank you, I got it this time, that, that I'm telling you, and these kids are serious, okay? Let me state that first. They're dead serious. They, they got me after the funeral Wednesday, and, and we've got a thing set up. We're starting this week. I'm going to go to their home and teach them a Bible study. So get ready for baptism. You know what that means. <laughs> so going to go get in there every week. So, see, here's the deal now, right? They, I know. What, I know I'm going to get a text or a phone call. They're going to tell me, man, Arliss, we really tried. But would you believe when we got out to the car, the tire was flat? And you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. yeah. Or they're going to say, we were on our way. And all of a sudden, we started fussing over something stupid. And within five minutes, I didn't even want to be in a car with him no more. You really need to pray for us. And they'll say, can you believe that happened? And I'll say, yeah. And you start, the example's right here. The children of God tried nine times. And all they wanted to do when they started was leave Egypt long <coughs> enough to go worship their God. And then they were going to go right back. And they couldn't even do that. So these processes that we see in people's lives, don't give up on them. Don't, don't, don't get the idea that they're not 100% sincere. Don't get, right. don't, don't get that idea. Because they're trying. They wouldn't come here at all if they didn't want to. They're really trying. And some of y'all, it might do us some good sometimes to go all the way back down the road somewhere when we started and remember all the crazy stuff that happened. Yeah. I mean, it meant good happen, it did happen. I remember by the time we'd get to church sometimes, I'd look like a like I'd ran into a wall, my 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 glasses are sideways, my jacket's on backwards, my shoes are on the wrong feet. I mean I, I had to fight for life and death just to get to church, man. I can remember those days. I can remember my dad coming to our house on Sunday morning because we was hung over, at least I was. I thought, man, I ain't answering the door. I, I know I ain't answering the door. Eight o'clock in the morning, church ain't till ten. Oh no. Don't know if you leave. Oh no. Oh no. Anybody's ever seen that ungodly perverted show, uh, Big Bang Theory? Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. That was my dad. Book, book, book. Finally, I come to the door. I open the door and say, Okay, Dad, we're getting ready. I walk back down the hallway. Oh, I wish he'd leave me alone. You know what? No, I didn't. I didn't. But that's the process, man. We were fighting just to get out of our house, to get out of Egypt just long enough to go to church. And it was a battle, right? So here we got these people, and the whole people of God, and that's what's going on right now. So now God's over it. And let me tell you something. They might not be making it here right now. You might come in one service like last Sunday and be like, man, if I had a God here as late as I normally do, I'd been standing up in the back. And then you might come the next Sunday, and there might be enough seats for 30 more because it's a battle going on, right? And so... God will eventually in these people's lives that we're reaching for, there's going to come a day where God's going to do exactly what he did right here. Because they kept trying to get to worship God, and Pharaoh kept getting in the way, and then finally God said, you know what? I only wanted you to get out of there to come worship me when it started, but now I'm going to set you all the way free, and you're going to leave Egypt and never come back. Read it. Go over the story again. You'll see. So watch this. Here we are. God's getting ready to set them all the way free. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. And this is what he said. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Oh, okay. Something's getting ready to happen that's so important. He said, you're going to start your calendar with this month. It will be the first month of the year to you. Do you remember? You did not start living until you were born again. Mm -hmm. Remember? Damn. Your life really started. 
When you gave it all to God, that's when it started. Even with the troubles and trials that come after it, when you look back down the road, you know I really didn't start living until I started living for God. God tells him, it's going to start right now. And he says, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. Tell them the pastor, tell everybody. Tell them in the tenth day of this month, tell them to take every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So the order was, every house has a lamb. Huh. Every house needs to have a lamb. Now what does this have to do with Jesus? Who is it that's got 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19? Is that you, Stacy? Yes, sir. Can you read that, please? Nice and loud? Yes. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. So our salvation has got nothing to do with anything that can fade away, anything that can suffer damage. It's got nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do with possessions. It's got nothing to do with reputation or how smart we are or how nice we are. Okay, go on. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Vain conversation. That doesn't mean I'm sitting there looking in the mirror saying it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in it. Sorry. What vain conversation means, vain means empty. Conversation means life. So he's saying this has got nothing to do with the empty traditions you got from your empty life. The traditions we received from our... Oh, now this one's kind of painful. It flat says... That our salvation ain't got nothing to do with tradition we receive from our fathers. What does it mean by our fathers? It means our ancestors. Our salvation has nothing to do with tradition, first of all. Amen. It can be a good tradition. It can be a positive tradition. It can be a tradition that helps people and blesses people and makes people love God. But a tradition has nothing to do with our salvation. And then it says... It's, he's telling everybody. Now this is all the way in the New Testament. And this is Peter. This is Peter talking. And he's saying, hey, all that religion that you received from all your ancestors ain't got nothing to do with salvation. Ow. Mm -hmm. Ow. Yeah. How many people are really open-minded enough to consider the fact that everything they've learned all their life might not be exactly right. That's a hard thing, man. See, I have the benefit of not having all that. When I came to God, I just, I just had enough sense where I didn't know anything about those traditions. I didn't know anything about religions, about any doctrines. But all I knew was I was going to be able to find what I was looking for. It was going to be in this book. Yeah. So when I found something in that book that said something, it might be, whoa, that's heavy. But I didn't have the battle of saying, well, that ain't what Mamma taught me, and Mamma was a good and godly woman. I didn't have that burden. And that is hard, man. That's tough. See, we, we should never deal from a position of arrogance. We didn't do anything to get here. You can't come to the Father. You can't come to the Father except you're drawn. You can't come to God except you're drawn. And then you got to be willing to keep your mind open enough to say, Lord, I want you to show me whatever I need to see. Yeah. Now, when you tell God that, there's going to be times where He's going to show you something you need to see that's going to fly 180 degrees opposite of what you've always been told. 
What you always hear on the radio. What Maybe why almost all the preachers you listen to uh, on the Total Bull Network say when they get done preaching. It might be. Well, it ain't total. There's, my bad, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so he said, it's got nothing to do with your vain traditions handed down from your fathers. So let me ask you today. What would you do if you looked in that book that's on your table right now and you found something in that book that said something completely opposite of what you'd always been told? And told by somebody that loved you with all their heart. See, that's not a question. It's got nothing to do with how much somebody loved you or how good of a person they were. The only thing that matters is what this book says. Do you know what Jesus said? He didn't come into this world to judge us. He said, my word, the same that I have spoken, will judge everybody in the end. That's going to be the judge right there. But I want to ask you again, and then we'll move on. What will you do? Not what might you do. What will yeah. you do when Amen. you find something in that that goes against something you've always been taught? You've got to love your own soul enough to be honest about eternity. That's yeah. what you have yeah. to do. Amen. And sometimes being honest about eternity means somebody's going to get mad. Even though you didn't do nothing hateful, they're still going to get mad about it. But you have to make sure your first loyalty is not to me. It's not to the bridge. It's not to your spouse. It's not to anybody in this church family. Your first loyalty needs to be the author of this book. Yeah. And if your first loyalty is to the author of that book, then you're going to want to do your best to absorb everything in that book. And if that book says something that I've always believed ain't quite right, guess what i got to do? i got to figure out a way to set something I've believed all my life to the side and say, God, that's tough. You're good. I need your help. Please help me to take that out of the book and make it a part of my life. Help me to learn how to live this way right here because I am loyal to you first, God. And hear this. You cannot be loyal to God and disloyal to his word. I didn't hear nobody. Man. Oh, thank you. By my wife's there. You can't be loyal to God and be disloyal to His Word. Impossible. It's like you can't be an honest man and have a disloyal word. Oh. Go ahead, Stacy. Ouch. But with the precious blood of Christ. Oh, so our salvation ain't got nothing to do with any traditions or silver or gold, but it has something to do with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish oh, wait, 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 wait. and without spot. But it has something to do with the blood of Christ as of a lamb. Well, here we go. Now we're starting to see something that's telling us why Jesus is referred to as a lamb. It says our salvation has everything to do with the blood of the lamb. And listen to what it says about that blood and about that lamb. It's without spot. Okay. That's some good stuff. Okay, Jimmy, you got Isaiah 53 and 7, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you a bunch. I just like to. All right, that's cool. <laughs> he was oppressed. You know, when you're talking about Jesus, he was oppressed. You know what oppression is? Look, oppression is keep down. Keep him down. Go ahead. And he was afflicted. He was afflicted, yeah. Yet he opened not his mouth. Well, yet he didn't say anything. Wait, wait. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He didn't whine. He didn't say stop. 
He didn't say, ouch. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, why are you doing this to me? Go ahead, Jimmy. He is brought as a lamb. Oh, oh, he is brought as a, here we go, see? He is brought, brought as a lamb. So we've already learned that our salvation has everything to do with the lamb, with his blood, that's without spot or blemish, and so is the lamb. And now here, we're hearing about the lamb again. Go ahead. To the slaughter. To the slaughter. That means Jesus was brought as a lamb. Why? To the slaughter. Not so he could grow up and they could take his, take that, what the heck's that called? His wool, right? <laughs> no, they brought that lamb and they had one thing in mind for him, slaughtering. Okay, let's see. King, John 1 and 29. I like all these notepads, by the way. See, that's how, that's how you learn to know why you believe what you believe. You fact check the preacher. Go ahead. The next day, John sealed Jesus coming. So here's John the Baptist. And the next day after the previous day, don't really remember what happened on the previous day, but it's the next day, and John sees Jesus, and what does he say, Kitty? And said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Oh, behold. They were just saying, Hey, everybody, look. The Lamb of God. So he flat tells everybody, This is the Lamb. Which taketh away the sin of the world. Oh. So he don't just tell them, This is the Lamb. He tells a specific purpose for this lamb. This is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So now we also know Jesus is referred to as lamb, but now we're told some things about what that lamb is for. Somehow his blood's in there, and he's without spot or blemish, and he's going to take sins away. Okay? Uh, Beth, John 1, 36 and 37. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Yep, here's John again. He's saying the same thing, right? A little bit later in the same chapter. Behold the Lamb of God. Go ahead, Beth. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. <laughs> Make this real. Here's John the Baptist. He's got his disciples, right? Pastors. He's got his congregation. He's got his little church. And he says, Hey, look, the Lamb. And these two guys with him said, I'm out. Yeah. What are we here for? What are we here for? We're here for the Lamb, man. If I'm a part, oh boy, I didn't think of that till now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If I'm a part of the group that ain't got the Lamb, oh, mm. if I can't look in this book and see that this tells me the Lamb is here, if I can't see no evidence of that Lamb, if I never see Him, never feel Him, never hear Him, never see Him do nothing, and the Lamb ain't here, guys, guess what? Somebody else going to preach next Sunday because I'm out. These disciples have been with John the whole time, man. I mean, they're following the guy that's wearing a, you know, he's wearing a clothes that ain't quite right. Wearing a long cloth like Tarzan, right? And his camel's hair, so he's always grouchy because he's always irritated. And then he's eating bugs. I mean, come on. They look overlooked all that. Just like you guys overlook some stuff. I don't know much. Lord, quiet. You overlook stuff with me, right? But you know what they did not overlook? What they could not overlook? We're willing to overlook your little cranky sometimes, John. We're willing to overlook that you eat bugs sometimes, preacher. But one thing we cannot overlook, the lamb ain't here. Mm. Now look, I'm an old man. I might live to be 100, but I might die today. 
And I've been reminded of that more than I want to be, so I will not soon forget the lesson, so I don't have to be reminded again. So, as long as you live, if things work in their natural order, Nelson, you're going to live longer than I do. Everybody in here will. So let there never be a day in your life where you sit anywhere where you can overlook some things. The preacher ain't as nice as he should be. The preacher don't know how to relax at all. Preacher's a little uptight sometimes. You overlook all that if you want to. But never get so in love with the preacher or with the church or with anything going on there that you're willing to overlook that the Lamb is not there. Because if the Lamb ain't there, you're going to go somewhere he ain't either. Amen. You hear me? Amen. That's not mean, man. You ain't going to think that's mean when you wake up in heaven with me. If we sit in the church where the Lamb ain't, we're going to spend eternity, guess what? Where the Lamb ain't. I guess now maybe I know why none of the visitors showed up there. They said, I'm out, man. Just like I told you when we started, if I can't do it real, I ain't going to do it. If the Lamb ain't here, I ain't going to do it. And don't you either. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, follow me as what? Somebody help me. As I follow Christ. Okay. If I ever stop following Christ, first of all, I hope you love my soul enough to say, hey, what the, hey. And I'm telling you right now, every one of you, I love you enough to do that. Have done it. Might be doing it now. And if I have to, I will do it again. Because I love you enough, I want you to spend eternity with the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. So if you ever see anything starts to look a little sideways about me, please return the favor. <laughs> I don't reckon you probably ever heard that from Paul. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously, though. we got to keep the main thing the main thing. It's about the Lamb. Right? It's about the Lamb. Okay, so we established Jesus as Lamb. We know it's got something to do with the blood. We know He's going to save us. We know that we can't base everything we believe about us and God on everything that's been taught us. And we know we have to be loyal to the Lamb first, right? We know that. All right, so watch this. Back in Exodus again. We, 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 we go, we're going to get in some, some fun stuff. So in, in verse number 3, it's pretty cool, right? We know now Jesus is a Lamb. So look at these principles. Verse number 3. Take every man a lamb, and every house ought to have a lamb. Every house ought to have the lamb. And everybody ought to have the lamb for themselves. It would not be enough for Kitty if I was the only one in our house that had the lamb. Kitty needs the lamb for herself too. It would not be enough for Jimmy if Stacy was the only one that had the lamb. Her carrying the lamb around in her pocket ain't going to help Jimmy. Jimmy needs the lamb just like Stacy does. Amen. Amen. Verse number four. I love this. Here comes our here comes our uh, our, our commission. <laughs> if the household is too little for the lamb, let him share it with his neighbor. Uh oh. Oh, how many is already realized Jesus is bigger than your house? (laughs) How many knows he's too big for your house? Once you let him all the way in, everything in your life gets blessed. And then you get to be blessed so much that if somebody don't ask you why you're blessed, you get to feel guilty because you ain't telling nobody why you're blessed. Especially when you look around you and they're miserable. 
Share the lamb. Everybody should have it. Have it in every house. And when you realize this is too big for me to hog it all, I'm going to have to figure out a way to share that lamb with my neighbor. Mm. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. What a proper, what a proper word. Huh? Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. That's, you know what that means? That means if you know that brother's going to eat three or four helpings, you better have enough lamb for three or four helpings. That means you can eat all you want. How much lamb you need? Some people come in and ate everything in their life in chaos, truly. Some people come in and they're just looking, okay, hey, I just know something's been missing, man. I ain't sick in my body. I ain't going through this. I ain't going through that. But I just feel like there's something a little bit more. You know what that person's looking for? As much of the lamb as they can get. And that's what they're doing when they're pursuing God like that. Make your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish. Hmm. 1 Peter 1 and 19 said, Christ is the lamb without blemish. Somebody read that. Stacy read that. That Jesus Christ was a lamb without blemish. And here we are in verse number 5. Moses is telling the people of God, your lamb that you take will be without blemish. Male of the first year, take it from the sheep. Keep it until the 14th day, verse 7. They'll take of the blood. Oh, oh, here, you know, here, we're, here we're getting somewhere. So they're going to take this blood, Nathan, this lamb. They're going to kill it. Jesus was a lamb and he went to the slaughter. And verse number 7, Moses telling the people of God to take the blood from that lamb, strike it on the two side posts of their door of the houses where they're going to have the lamb. Mm. You need the blood on your home. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 12. Verse 11. Thus shall you eat the lamb. Do you remember Jesus saying, Unless you eat, this is my body which you must yes. eat. Except you eat my body and drink my blood, you shall likewise perish. Anybody remember reading that in Bible readers? Yeah. And remember Jesus is a lamb. Everything in the Old Testament is a picture of what was going to come in the New Testament. And here we've got the Old Testament Passover lamb. And they're saying, Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, eat it in a hurry. It's the Lord's Passover. In other words, you better get ready because when you eat this lamb, you're going to be going somewhere. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods, little g of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now here we go. Here's where my question comes in. Do you have the token and the blood that you have put on your doorpost of your house shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are? Now this word token, it's a Hebrew word, off. O-T-H. Are you ready for this? First let me clarify. In modern society, the word token we had a recent Supreme Court justice, I use the term loosely, added to the Supreme Court. Now this Supreme Court justice, she's not a superior judge. She cannot tell you what a woman is. And she gives lightest sentences possible to child molesters and pedophiles. 
Her record shows this. But this judge was put on the Supreme Court, and our president said he was going to appoint somebody to the Supreme Court, but they had to be a woman, and they had to be black. It didn't matter how good they were. They had to be a woman, and they had to be a black. That, my friend, is modern society's version of a token. She is a token. She did not get that appointment because of her qualities, because of her abilities. She got it, and our president said this, because she is a woman and she is black. She is a token on the Supreme Court. That, however, is not what this word means. This word for token, you ready for this? Means signal, flag, beacon, evidence, miracle. So he tells them, put the blood on your house, and the blood on your house will be a signal to me. It will be a flag, a beacon. It will be evidence to me. And look what he says. When I see that evidence, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite all of Egypt. What God was saying is when that destroyer comes through and sees that blood over your home, it's going to be a signal to him. The lamb's been here. Man. The blood's on this house. Man. The lamb's in this house. And you better pass over this house and go somewhere that ain't got the lamb. You don't want none of this. Right. Thank you, Jesus. That's good teaching. Even on a Saturday at 4 o'clock. The blood shall be unto you, uh, be to you for a signal, for a flag, a beacon, an evidence. The last word boggles my mind, a miracle. What is a miracle? The miracle is that all I got to do is get the blood in my life and the destroyer's got to pass over me. That, my friend, is a miracle. And when we understand that that lamb and its blood in the Old Testament was a representation of the lamb of God that was going to come and he was going to shed his blood for us and when we receive his blood, that is a miracle that God would put on skin Amen. and come down here and die and Amen. shed his blood for me and it's a miracle that I live a life now that the destroyer it passes yes. right over me. That's a miracle. Thank you. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. This, my friend, is also a type in the Old Testament of the unsaved. The worldly. And when he sees the blood, now he ain't saying when I see it, now he's saying when that destroyer sees it. For the Lord will smite through to smite the Egyptians, and when the Lord sees the blood upon the lintel, look at this, on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and here it is. Will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. Now I would not be who I am if I didn't tell you the flip side of this coin. We're going to show you in just a minute. The next thing is show you how that blood of the Lamb gets applied to your life. Bible for it. Shows you when it is applied to your life and how you do it. But I must tell you, you can have the blood of the Lamb on your soul. You can have the blood of the Lamb over your front door and over your house. But you can still invite the destroyer in your house. 
What this Bible teaches in principle is that if I apply the blood to my life and got the blood over my home, I pray an old-fashioned prayer. I plead the blood when I pray. Yes. People say, you don't find no Bible for that. I don't care. I don't need none. Nope. All I know is there's power in that blood. Yes. And if I got it running thin lately, I want a little extra coating on yes. my house. Yes. Yes. I plead the blood over every one of you every single day. You say, does that do something? You tell me. <laughs> but... As covered as you are in the blood in your house is, anytime you want to, see, when he sees the blood, he cannot commit it if you don't want him in it. If I don't want him in my house. But I can invite him in there anytime I want to. And where it says the Lord will not suffer him to come in my house, I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back when I got in church in the early 90s, they were preaching against TV. I, I will preach against it someday. Now, I'm not saying it don't exist. You know what I'm going to preach about it when I preach about it? I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't have one. I'm going to tell you you got to be careful what comes over that thing. Right. Mm. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, you want to know one of the biggest doorways into our homes today in this world? This thing right here. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Now, am I telling you not to have one? No. No. What I am telling you is you better be careful. Did you know the Bible refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air? Yeah. Where does all the stuff that shows up on your dumb phone, mine's dumb too, that shows up on my dumb phone, how does it get from wherever they're sending it to my phone? Right through what? The air. Yes. So I'm telling you, if you're not careful, this thing could be an open doorway. This thing can suffer the destroyer to come right in your house. Yep. That ad comes across there. And I'm going to listen. There's evidence of this, and all y'all have seen it. I'm not the only one to talk about needing a new weed eater. And two hours later on my news feed, guess what all the ads are, Nelson? I ain't lying. You all know this is true. Okay? You notice how when you uh, click on something on Facebook, maybe watch one video, and it's you don't follow that video, but it's one video, and it's an old bluegrass gospel, you know, Ralph Stanley, right? You listen to some of that? Well, guess what starts popping up on your news feed, one after the other, all of a sudden, where it never did it before. You know why? Because they have what they call algorithms. Somebody, sometimes it feels like somebody's watching me. That's right. That's this thing can be an open door where God would not suffer the destroyer to come in. If I don't control this, it will suffer him to come in. Yes. Anybody still with me today? Amen. Amen. So God said in verse 23, the Lord will pass through, smite the, the lost. That's sad. That's, that's, that's heavy. When he sees the blood on the lintel, the blood that came from the lamb... The Lord will pass over that door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house. And here he tells the very specific reason the destroyer comes in anyway. To smite you. Matthew 26. Last section. What verse, brother? I'm going to pick one minute. Matthew 26. Yes, sir. Matthew 26, verse number 17. 
Now this is what is referred to as the Last Supper. Now the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? They're getting ready, they're getting ready to have a feast that is in that commemorates the night we just read about. Okay? They said, where do you want us to have the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. They had no idea he was telling them to go tell that dude I'm getting ready to die. The master saith, is that master, has that got a capital M in your Bible? That's mm -hmm. mine too. Well, that presents a little problem for some folks, don't it? The master saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them. They made ready the Passover. Verse 26. And as they were eating the Passover, Jesus took the bread and blessed it, break it, and gave it, and said, take, eat, this is my body. Not one of those knuckleheads say, hold up, Jesus, did you forget what this is? This bread ain't your body. This bread is to remind us that on the night of the Exodus, we didn't have time to put leaven in our bread and we had to leave in a hurry. What you mean this bread is your body? But not one of them asked that question. What he's telling them is, from this point forward, this meal is going to mean something different. From this point forward, this bread does not commemorate the unleavened bread in Exodus. From this point forward, this bread stands for my body. Communion. And notice, he said that bread is his body. Look what he did to the bread. He took it. They took him. He blessed it. God blessed him. They break it. They broke him. And he gave it. They gave him. He said, this bread is my body. Anybody remember reading where Jesus said, I am the bread of life? Yes. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them. Now look at this. Saying, drink all of it. How much? All of it. Then he told them why. For. That just means because. Because this is my blood. Somebody should have said, man, you have lost it. This wine, this cup is supposed to represent the blood of the Lamb back in Exodus, Jesus. We've been keeping this feast like this for thousands of years. What you mean this is your blood? Nobody asked him a question. And he's telling them from this point forward, this wine represents my blood. You ready for this? Then he tells them why. This is my blood, the New Testament, which is shed for many Read this with me. For the remission of sins. So now we know that the blood is tied to remission of sins. And Jesus is flat out saying, this blood I'm getting ready to shed is for one reason, remission of sins. Okay, well you know what my logical question was when I read this? Didn't have no traditions handed to me by my fathers? didn't know any denominational doctrines, had never been taught anything at all. I just had a very simple question. Well, if that blood is for remission of sins, how do I get that blood in my life? How do I get remission? That's what I want to know. 
Acts chapter 2, last one. I tricked you a minute ago. Didn't I? Acts chapter 2, verse number 37. What an amazing thing, Lori, that Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples and he's getting ready to be the Passover. And he had just washed the feet of every disciple there, <coughs> knowing that every single one of them was going to bang at him. And he did it anyway. And I want to throw this out there. This, this is extra. This is free. It was a tradition back then when you came in somebody's house and walking in the streets that there was a servant or that homeowner washed your feet. The reason why is because they didn't have the roads we got. Those Roman roads, they ain't got nothing to do with the Book of Romans. It was roads they built right in Jerusalem, right? But they didn't let all the peasants walk on them roads all the time. It was mostly for the soldiers and the Romans going back and forth, right? Most of the roads around there were dusty. They lived out in the middle of a desert. It was dusty. There was dirt on the ground. And guess what else walked on those roads? Camels, donkeys, goats, sheep. And these people, they didn't wear nice, fancy $5 shoes from what, wherever the heck I got these. I don't even remember. They didn't have these. They had sandals. So that means when they walked in the house, the main reason why they had their feet washed is not just because they had dirt on them. They usually had poop on them. So imagine, if you will, these disciples sitting with the Savior of the world and they're ready to sit all the way through the Passover meal, Nelson. And every one of them knows that they still got poop on their feet, but they'd rather sit at that table with poop on their feet than humble themselves enough to wash their brother's feet. The thing i got to ask is how many times have I sat at the Lord's table with poop on my feet? I know this ain't. Uh, pray for me. How many times have I sat there with my feet dirty? And I knew everybody else's was too, but man, they got their own feet dirty. I ain't going to be washing their feet. Are you kidding me? I'm a disciple. You know what I am? And these guys sat all the way through that meal the whole time. Everybody can smell it. And you know what else, guys? Everybody can smell it. We act like it ain't there and we can't smell it, but we can smell it. Jesus smelled it. And that's finally when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Can you imagine? You're welcome. So Jesus said this blood is for the remission of sins, right? That's what he said. And we're at the last part this time, I promise. Only three verses too. You'll be real excited. He said the, the blood I'm going to shed is for the remission of sins for many. You ever notice that word in there? Seems to me it would have said for everybody. I've lived long enough to know that everybody ain't going to do what it takes to have their sins remitted. It was available to everybody, but don't everybody ask for it. Don't everybody, when they see in the Bible how to get that remission, don't everybody say, you know what, that's what the Bible says, I'm in. <clears throat> so here we are, Jesus has already died by the time we get to Acts chapter 2. He's already ascended. He rose from the grave, he ascended. He's just now poured out the Holy Spirit. It's never been available to whosoever will before. He's just now done it. He's poured it out. 120 people in the upper room have it. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. She had to have it, Amen. just like everybody else. They all get filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're religiously correct. Holy Ghost, if you're kind of religiously correct. Whichever one's fine. He ain't offended by either one. But they get filled with God's Spirit. Then they all start to talk in another language they don't understand. All these people are in Jerusalem. Guess what for? 
They're in there for the Feast of Pentecost, which is a feast of the first fruits. Where you bring in the first fruit yeah. of the harvest. You see how cool God does stuff? He makes himself a Passover lamb. Has Passover with his disciples telling them, this, this bread's going to be my body, going to get broken. This, this wine, that's going to be my blood. It's going to be shed for the remission of many. So he becomes the Passover lamb. And then when he does decide to pour out the Spirit, he does it on the feast of the first fruits, which, not coincidentally, this is the first fruit of souls in the New Testament church. Yes. Now, just bear, bear with me. Remember, we all men ago, we all agreed if it was in the Bible, we'd go along with it because it's the Bible, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our books are after that page that says New Testament. But there is no New Testament between God and man until Jesus has died, risen, and poured out the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why Resurrection Sunday is so important. But it ain't all there is. There's a death, burial, resurrection. Then there is the pouring out of the Spirit... So we can be like Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. Yes. Nicodemus said, what are you talking about, man? How in the world am I going to enter my mama's womb a second time? That's just dumb. And Jesus answered back and said, you must be born of the water, which we already have. Many people say you must be born again of the water, but that's not what Jesus said. When he answered back, he said, you must be born of the water and the Spirit. You're born again is the Spirit. And the Spirit, you cannot... Well, there's one time where Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive me the Spirit. But you do not find any time the Spirit was made accessible to everybody. Not one time. Can't find it. Anywhere. Until Acts chapter 2. This is the birthday of the New Testament church. And watch. Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born of the water and the Spirit. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's poured out. Everybody's there for the the harvest of the first fruit. God's having His harvest of the first fruit. 120 just got the Holy Ghost. All the people crowd around the building. And they ask them, verse number 37, the disciples, Peter tells them, you just crucified the Messiah. That was God in the flesh. And anybody smart's going to say, whoa, okay, my bad, what do I do? Verse number 37, they did exactly that. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That's good old-fashioned conviction. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That is a direct question. Right. You're telling me I killed God in the flesh. What must I do to fix that? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Look at this, you ready? Be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. For what? Read it with me. For what? The remission of sins. What did Jesus tell his disciples at the Last Supper? That this wine represented his blood. That in wine, that his blood would be shed for what? The remission of sins. So my question when I found that part was, how do I get this remission of sins? Well, then I found this verse in Acts chapter 2. And Peter says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he says, for the remission of sins. So you don't have to be a theologian to know 
If you want remission of sins, do exactly what he said yeah. and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Why should that be? Well, I don't know. Ain't he the Lamb of God? Ain't he the one that said this blood that I'm shedding is for the remission of sins? It just makes sense then that when I'm baptized for remission of sins, it would be in the name of the one that shed blood for what? Remission of sins. Amen. Now here's another thing a lot of people don't think of when they make this connection. This is where the blood is applied to your life. What did he say? My blood is shed for the remission of sins. Then he said, get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So somehow, some way, when I go down in the water and that preacher, that brother, that sister, I don't care who baptizes me. I just want my sins gone. And be prepared. If I can't get somebody and you can, I'm going to send you. Can I get an amen? Amen. They went four hours, four hours, five, I don't know. They went somewhere. I couldn't do it. I was on my way to Illinois and preach the Bible. Bonnie and John, remember them? Came and been a few services here. She saw Jesus' name baptism. She said, man, i got to be baptized. Can you do it? I said, no, I can't do it, but I know somebody can. <laughs> huh? Do you hear me? We're in this thing together, man. We're a team. Amen. Every member of the body needs the rest of the body. I need you. This ain't my job. This is our job. Amen. And what an awesome job it is. Yeah. So he said the blood is shed for the remission of sins. And when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get remission of sins. Well, guess what? If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, when you went down in that water, so did the blood. Yes. The Bible says we are buried with him in baptism, not buried like him. Somehow, when I got down that water, yeah. Jesus got down yeah. in that water too. And he let his blood in that water. And when I came up, the blood of the Lamb, that token, was on me. There was a sign on me and said, Yesterday he was a drunk and you had access to his house. Yesterday he was a drug addict and you had access to his house. But today he's got the blood on his house and he's got a Simon says, destroyer, yeah. you cannot come in. Woo. You must pass over this boy. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah. One well, of these days you all gonna make the noise I feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How simple. That is the simplest thing. It is simple. You know the only thing that gets in the way of it? If we go back to that verse that Stacy read, if we let traditions of our fathers or something else we've heard or something else somebody told us, this, and y'all all agree with me, so I mean you're kind of stuck. You agree that our first loyalty needs to be the Lamb. That's just common sense. And we cannot be disloyal to this book, who the Lamb wrote, and still count ourselves loyal to the Lamb. So if we see something in this book and it says do this for that, and you want that, you better do this. Amen. Token. If you baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, specifically for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you shall receive, you shall, you shall, you shall. That word also translates out to must. You must. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? You must be born again. 
He said, what are you talking about? He said, you must be born of the water and the what? Guess what we got right here? Yes. Jesus in chapter 3, look it up. He also told Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he can't even see heaven. What? That's right. That's right. I don't reckon I can get in a place I can't see. That's it. Right. <laughs> can't see it to get there. If I could, if they would let me. But he said, if I ain't born again, I can't see it. That's just plain Bible. Them's yeah. red words. Yes. I wouldn't fight for no red words. And he says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says, for, which means because, because the promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. Mm-hmm. Can you promise me she'd marry me? But I went to prison and delayed that a few years. But it was a promise, and she kept it. And I got out. And after we started going around this thing and finding out it was real, guess what we did? We got married. It was a delayed promise. It didn't happen when I wanted it to. I wanted to have right then, Nathan. I was in love. I'm going to marry right now. Mama wanted to do it the right way. God wants to do it the right way. You got a promise, folks. And it might not come. What's that old song? May not come when you want it. But it be there right on time. Oh, don't get me started. We're done. He's on time, God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> because the promise is unto you. Now, there's some Ooh. folks who believe it's only for the apostles that night, but look what it says. Yeah, the promise is unto you and what? To your children. Yes. Is that a period or a comma? That's uh-huh. a comma. So the promise is unto you and your children and to all that are far off. Is that a period or a comma? Uh-huh. That's a comma. Even as many, oh, as the Lord our God shall call. Yes, God is still calling yes, folks. Yes, yes, so yes. anybody God calls has got a promise, man. Yes, thank it's you, a Lord. promise. And you know what? Once I found out that promise was for me, you know what I would do? I'd go after that promise. Mm-hmm. I would. You know why? Because Jesus told Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he ain't going to see heaven. I didn't write it. Jesus said it. What's that bumper sticker say? That settles it. I believe it. That settles it. You see how simple that is? It really is. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask uh, Judah Girl to come, please. That's Judah Girl. Hey, man. Matter of fact, I've called her that for so I don't know how many years I've called her that. Me and Bess have been friends for a long time. I've called her Judah Girl for so long. That one time we lost contact with each other. Remember that, Beth? <laughs> one time, Lori, we lost contact with each other, right? I don't know what happened. I think I got a new phone. And you know, a lot of phones won't put all the contacts over, right? Well, I get this text from a phone number, and it's asking for prayer about something. I don't remember now. But it's asking for prayer for something. And I said, okay, I'll pray for that. And I said, uh, by the way, who is this? <laughs> and Beth knew there was one way that she could let me know right away who it was. She said, it's Judah, girl. <laughs> I said, oh, I know who that is. So here's what I'm bringing to you today, okay? If the Bible says that blood over our house is the token, the sign, that the miracle that makes a destroyer pass over, I wouldn't need no more reason. I mean, okay? This ain't, you know, do you understand that none of this said, you don't have this and you ain't got that and that don't count? Did you see that in there? 
Did you hear any of that from there from me? No? I wouldn't care if there was a verse in the middle of Vacas that said, if you hop on your left foot for three minutes, I'll heal your body. Guess what Arnold's would do? Mm -hmm. Hop on your foot. That's like some people say, you don't have to tithe now, that's Old Testament. And I said, you know what, okay, let's, okay, let's go with that. So then the part that says, if you tithe, I'll rebuke the destroyer. What? You don't want him, I'll rebuke the devourer. You don't want him rebuked because it's in the Old Testament? You're telling me if you give a dime on a dollar, the destroyer, the devourer will be rebuked for your house? Well, because it's Old Testament, I'll just let him up in my pocket. Uh, uh. Come on. Mm -mm. Come on. You see, we get caught too much up in technical stuff. Do you remember what Jesus told the Pharisees one day? He said, you guys strain and gnats. Then they're looking around his little stuff to see something wrong. Why you don't agree? And he says, you're swallowing camels. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We got to make sure we ain't straining gnats. But we also got to make sure we ain't swallowing no camels. And if I'm swallowing something that ain't in that book, guess what? Swallow camels. We gotta find somewhere in the middle. So I'm gonna ask you today. If the blood, if you don't have that token, if you don't have that miracle, if you don't have that sign, that beacon, that signal, if you don't have it to carry around with you. I would encourage you to come to the altar today and just say, Lord, I want everything you got for me, man. It, I don't care who thought what. I want everything you got for me, everything you died for me to have, and I want that blood in my life. If you're here today, if you haven't yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you this little tip. God already knows exactly how many times you're going to have to pray for you to receive it. So you know what I did? I said, God knows what the number is. So I reckon every time I pray one more time for it and don't receive it, I'm going to be one time closer to getting it. Yeah. My number might be 11 if I pray 10 times and then say, ah, could be the very next time. Ever seen that meme where that guy's got the pickaxe and he's in a tunnel and he's trying to dig to where the, the water is and he's picking through that tunnel and he can't see how close he is and he gets discouraged and walks away and the picture shows that he was one more pick away from the water? God's got a number. And you got a promise. Ooh, that's good. I'll tease that one again. Oh, yeah. So if you don't have the promise yet, I'd come up one more time saying, God, I want my promise. If you don't have the blood, I'd ask you to come. Let God know you want the blood. And then talk to me after service. We'll get that blood on you real quick. Amen. If you already got the blood on your house, but you just want to come today, it is Resurrection Weekend. If you want to come one more time, just stand up here and just love on him and thank him. Thank him that he did let them break his body. Thank him that he did let them shed his blood. And just, just come up, up and love on him for a while. <laughs> Stacy said she wants that part where he says it's for her children. <laughs> Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you. I thank you. 
for this couple today, Father, who are covered by the blood themselves, who have made sure their children are, and their house is covered. And the destroyer, he's got the Passover, Father. He best go look somewhere else. I thank you for the miracle of the blood in their life. The miracle. Oh, it's a miracle, God. Lord, they remember who they were before that miracle, Father. And I thank you for it. And today, God, what we're calling on is that promise. And we're speaking that promise in place for their children, Father. And their children's children. To a thousand generations. That the benefit of your sacrifice will be in their family line for a thousand generations, Father. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. This wife, and this mom, and this nana, and this great nana. And I ask you, Lord, tonight, Father, whatever it is, he's here to do, Father. Here. Love has found me and he has covers her. Jesus, right now, Lord. I, 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 I,
blood shed for your soul. Thank you for that miracle, God. God, thank you for the hunger the Lord had and that she has now. The hunger that was bringing her to the place where she said, I just want God's voice. I just want God's truth. I thank you when she died and she did something with her, Father. And I ask you to honor that today, Lord.
God who shed his blood on the Father. He had no choice to pass over my brother and pass over his house.
been wonderful to you? Yes, Amen. yes, yes. Even if you don't think he has, you probably just don't see it or don't care about it. He has, every one of us. Lord, I know, Father, whatever's been brought to you today. Thank you, Jesus. First, Lord, we always focus so much on this weekend on the resurrection. Somehow Jeez. I've managed all these years, God, to, to pass by big parts of all this, Lord. I thank you that you became our Passover. Yes, thank you. And when we give our lives to you, Lord, we see evidence yes. that a lot of the things that people that don't serve you go through, Father, it passes right over us. Jesus. Life still happens, but don't all of it happen. Jesus. Thank you for being the Passover. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for letting them break your body. Break your body for us. Thank you, Father. There's a simple way to know our sins are remitted, gone. Yes. And I thank you, Lord, for what a promise. Yes. If you'd have shed your blood to forgive our sins, that'd have been enough. But what a promise Jesus. that you would live in us, God. Yes, thank you. And I pray, Lord, for all those, God, that don't care about it. Father, that you wake them up, whatever it takes. Burn the house down, God. Let the fire save them, Lord. But I thank you for the promise. And I thank you, Lord, that every single one of us and our children and our children's children have that promise that you would walk in us and we would truly be the temple of the Holy Ghost, God. And Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus right now over every person here. I plead the blood over everybody that's in the process of being here. I plead the blood over those that haven't yet seen these things, God, that you would visit them. I pray tomorrow morning, God, in all the churches and all the world, Lord, that you would visit everybody, Father. Whatever needs to be said, say it. Whatever yes, needs to be Jesus. done, do it. We are your sheep, God, and you are our shepherd, Father. And we need you, God. We need you, Lord. Visit us tomorrow. Lord, I ask you to bless your people this week. Keep them safe and sound. Let the blood be fresh upon the doorposts of their home. Let that destroyer pass over, Father. I ask you, Lord, all these things for your glory. And everybody yes. said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. All right, God bless you. Amen. Have a good time tomorrow. Those of you that ain't going to be at work, those of you that are at work, we're praying for you. I promise. Right. That's right. We won't see Travis. He's got 10 